Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Return to Glory podcast. We're back Sunday, December 11th. Back to one week or one episode a week here now that football season is over. So sad. But we do have a lot of content and stuff to talk about here. Volleyball team just get got knocked out against Oregon on Thursday. Thursday, yes, in mm-hmm. the week 16. So we will start there. Um, I guess what are your thoughts on the volleyball season as a whole? It was obviously a good season. I think I don't want to say we underperformed because we made the Sweet 16, but we had a lot of injury issues and the knuckles getting hurt at the end of the year really kind of – yeah, I, you know, I don't think either of us expect – I don't think really anyone expects us to win a national title this year. So well, I, I would say at the beginning of the year I, I, I did. That's true. We were preseason ranked number one. I think everyone thought we were going to make it to Omaha for sure. I, and I, I mean, I guess when you say expect a national title, right? I mean, I, I – with – the team that teams that we have over and over, I expect us to compete for a national title. And I would sure. think that the way that we ended up is, yeah, a bit of a disappointment from a Nebraska volleyball fan standpoint. But by the end of the season, I how about this? When I watched the last couple games of the year, I was like, this team can't make, win at all. I, I really didn't think that. I thought we would make it to Omaha. I, I thought we would, but we didn't. And then Knuckles getting hurt. We should have put Oregon away. We had them and we had them in the fourth set. We botched it and then we just didn't have it in the fifth we went to extra points in the fourth and we couldn't road we couldn't sub and it it just went south but yeah i mean the last few games of the year it's hard because yeah we had injuries i get that but we also do have a lot of talent on the roster and correct with what coach cook is known to do right is have a lot of deep teams that you know players have had experience throughout the entire season. So when someone does go down, we have a way to back that up. And unfortunately you did, you kind of saw the writing on the wall late in the year. And I don't know where to chalk that up to. I don't know. It's obviously disappointing the way it ended up, but once again, I I just, I, the praise and the, what something we overlook at, I think as Husker fans is, consistency with that team how they're every year competing for a national title i mean longest running streak in fbs for a ranked for a team ranked in the top 25 or something most weeks in the top 25 
of any sport. I think we take it for granted sometimes. And there's people out there, you know, calling for John Cook's head and all this stuff. And he's John Cook's getting up there in age. We all knew that. We know it's he's not going to be here for another 20 years. So right. it, it will at some point come to it. It's, I don't know. It just the past couple of years, I think it, last year we got knocked out in the Sweet 16 as well. No, last year we made the national title. We oh, lost to Wisconsin, two, I remember. Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago, yeah. Yes. We lost to Wisconsin in the Sweet 16 two years ago. Yes. So Big Ten also underperformed for the most part. Everyone got knocked out yesterday or the day before, basically. So no more Big Ten teams in the volleyball tournament, which is a bummer for it being in Omaha. I think that's the biggest disappointment. It was in Omaha this year, and it and no I don't know the stat on that. It has had to be quite some time where there's been no Big Ten teams in the Final Four. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, Big Ten's been so strong in volleyball, I mean, since I can remember. So, I, I don't know. That'd be an interesting stat to look up. So, volleyball, topic one. Topic two, Nebraska basketball. Ooh, those feisty, you know, feisty skurs. <laughs> Feisty's a really good word for it. I, yeah, I like it. They're they're a little spunky. Both, I mean, well, okay. First off, women's still doing well. We'll get the women's out of sight. Nothing really to go on there. But the men's beat Creighton. Obviously, we talked about that last week. Kind of laid an egg. Not I wouldn't say laid an egg, but got thumped by Indiana. With the Indiana game, I no did Sam expect us. No Sam Greasel. I did not expect this to come out well, that game. Coming off a big win. I mean, the biggest win Nebraska basketball's had in quite some time. I, I just didn't expect it to come out. And then you get the news that Sam Greasel's out. Now, Indiana did have a player out as well. But I did not expect that to go much different than it did. And yeah. then we play Purdue, which I did not get a chance to watch. It followed along on Saturday. I know you were watching it and texting me about it. We're right there. We were right there. Yeah, we were. And I I mean, we held, gosh, freaking Eddie, seven foot four, looks every inch of it, just looked like a monster over oh, everyone Edie. on our Jack, team. Edie. Edie, Edie. Sorry, like, sorry. Who the hell's Eddie? Eddie. Edie, I don't know Edie, an Eddie. <laughs> Edie. That's my bad. Um, I was just, yeah, I was looking at the name and, you know, when you read it, you're like, yeah, I knew it was Edie. Okay. So, anyways, Edie, seven foot four, looks every inch of it, towers over everyone. And, Man, we had a pretty good defensive game plan. It was like, all right, he touches the ball. Everyone just swarmed to him. And we recovered really well. We played a decent zone there in the second half. And if we could hit free throws, we missed the first of and ones three in the last six minutes, something like that. And if we hit some open threes, now granted, obviously they could have hit some more open threes too and blah, blah, blah. But we missed a lot of open shots and we missed our free throws on our and ones. So that they're not and ones, one and ones. Our team is very, you know, feisty, scrappy, whatever you want to call it. And actually, I will give credit to, I don't forgot his name already, our new defensive coach coming in. I like how he has been mixing up what we are playing defensively. I think that has worked very well here in some of these big games. And, I mean, everybody had their, well, or lack thereof expectations coming into the year of what this team could do. And even after we beat... You know, Florida State and Boston College, we said, yeah, all right, well, let's see it against these next three teams who are all ranked in the top 10 or right around there. And we came out with one win, a loss in overtime, 
and I lost by 15 points. I say the Purdue does not feel like a, it did feel like a loss yesterday. I was pretty sad. I really thought we were going to get it. There was a yeah, gosh, whatever. There were some bad calls, but hey, everyone let's, has let's talk calls. about that a little bit because I obviously only saw the highlights and that was the big storyline from Saturday's game was the referees and the calls. And if anybody's followed us along, we are the last people in the world to ever blame referees and say we lose a game because of them. And our standpoint on that has not changed. Nope. And I know why that, you know, at that point in the game, your teams typically look to intentionally foul. So refs are a little quicker to the whistle because they're like, hey, these guys are trying to foul in that scenario. We will probably we it would have been a foul if he didn't lose control of the ball. Mm-hmm. But you know, at that speed, whatever. It just really sucks that we had we we did it and then we just it didn't happen. But that we could we probably would have gone down and missed the open shot anyways, so it wouldn't have mattered, but it was a Agreed. it's not we didn't lose because of the refs. There were some bad calls, but we if we hit our free throws, we don't lose the game. Right. And like I said, I don't have a whole lot to comment on the game because I didn't watch it, but it's looking at the stat line and watching us against Indiana and Creighton too. The one player that we keep keep is Keisei Tominaga. And the threat that he poses when he's out there. And yes, this game, he exploded. I mean, he went off. He's he's hot and cold. I, I hope you didn't sell your case your case a stock because it, it's gone up quite a bit this year but when he when he's on the court even when he's cold he's still a just a constant yes. threat and i can honestly say we have not had a and when i say threat it's typically from the three-point line but he also gets so much attention from that that he is able to go by and get in the lane as well but it's typically from the three-point line and we haven't had a player like that. And Casey's not your, you ideally want him to be about five inches taller than he probably is. But it, it's amazing what an offensive, a team can look like on the offensive end when you have someone like that that can just make shots. And he's proven to do that again on a streaky basis, but he's, he can do that. And it's amazing how that impacts opposing teams' game plans against you. Yeah. And, it's nice that he can actually hit it. Him and, gosh, Walker. And I'm disappointed you didn't get to watch him because he was hitting some really nice shots over Edie. Like, I mean, obviously Edie still, you know, had seven blocks. But Walker looked – offensively, he was, he he did pretty well against a seven-foot-four guy who he had no business, like, laying up around him. So he's – he's – he's – one of the best finishers for his height mm-hmm. that in I the post, yeah. see. Like, he, obviously, he's a guard, not a guard. He plays inside. And what he did against Kalkbrenner, against Creighton, even what he did against um, the Indiana guy, Davis Price. Yes. So, and then obviously, Edie, too. It's, it's amazing how he continues to finish up and around those big bodies in there and and it just shows the value of him and what he brings to the team so the yeah the frustrating thing about the games was cj wilcher was cold it happens but he was very hesitant off the shot like he got a rebound under the basket and it's just like we're down one 
So I put it up, but he didn't. He dribbled it out and passed it because he was 0 for 6 at that point. Get it. Um, but what I just I just really like that going into the year, Floyd Hoiberg is like, we're going to recruit guys who can defend that are long. And that's what we're going to do this year because the offense isn't working. And holy crap, it kind of works. It's it's a it with Sam being such a large point guard, it really opens up a lot of opportunities for your double teams and him being able to double team Edie was very helpful. Yes. So where's our expectations at now for the year? And that's the question that keeps coming back in my mind is we just, we won some games. I mean, I would say some games I didn't think we were going to win. And then now we play three top 10 teams in the country and compete with them and win one. So, there's obviously the Big Ten is obviously no cakewalk, no matter who you play night in and night out. But there's some games on our schedule here that I think are very more, I should say very more winnable than what we initially thought going into the year. And talk about a change of expectations and just bad takes. And it's not an uncommon take. How 10 win season, that's gonna be the best we can get. But I think it's well, really- especially when we came out, we without Derek Walker and we watched that team. You and I were honestly seriously questioning if ten and ten game was like, is that really our ceiling, or is it really like, once we get to Big Ten, we don't win another game? Correct. And here we are, six and five. Um, we are in our conference. We started off zero and two, but we played probably two of the tougher teams. Up yeah, there. two of the three best teams. Two of them. Indiana and Purdue. Right. Two of the three best teams. Yes. Yep. So we have a couple of non-con games. Here we go Two. well, we play K-State a neutral site on Saturday. We play Queens out of not New York. I believe it's out of South Carolina. Um, And then we are fully into conference play here. Is an expect, is it, is it, am I wrong to think that, I mean, I, we could get to 500 in the Big Ten. No, I I really don't think if our – I really don't – because defensively, defense is going to keep us in games. I mean, Purdue is the number one offensive efficiency going into that game or something along those lines. I don't know if it's scoring offense, but the commentator said something like Purdue is top three offense efficiency, and they shot 30% the second half of the game, you know. We were in that game and we shot what thirty two percent for the game. I don't even know what our it couldn't have been higher than. I'm gonna look real quick. I have it open. Team stats. I mean, our defense is gonna keep us. We shot thirty one point nine percent for the game, and we made it went to overtime. You don't have any right to make it twenty eight percent for three, seventy percent for free throw. Yeah, I mean, you talk about scrappy playing. That Purdue game, 62-65. Creighton, 63-53. Obviously, Florida State and Boston College, we scored a little more. But it's the defense and that extra level of just being feisty and getting after the ball is what's going to keep us in games and hopefully get us some wins against some of these more average-type opponents moving forward. Right. Not every opponent we play is going to have a seven-foot-four guy that makes it so none of our guys can go into the post except right. for maybe Derek Walker. So what scares you, I guess? Because I, I know my answer with this team. If um, I, I, there's a there's a best case and a worst case scenario. Best case, probably we go 500 a little bit more. 
or whatever in the Big Ten. Worst case scenario, I think some things could happen. I guess what scares you in that in that case? Beyond your typical injury, it's probably just guys starting to feel themselves and kind of losing that defense. Hey, we're going to make you grind it out. I kind of want to be more of a flashy, cheat a little bit on plays, try to score a little more. Yeah. Like um, we've seen in the past. I don't foresee that, but that would be my concern. No, and, and that that to me would be like it kind of ties to what I think what scares me a little bit is the mindset of where our players and our coaching staff is at. This year, obviously, we've been very strategic in our style of play, how we have to win games, and it's not by the flash. It's not by the show. And when you when you do it by grinding people down and you aren't winning grinding people down. It's not fun. It's not fun. And that's the scary part is will this team stick with it? If we can't win, you know, even some of these games, I, I would think right now our spirits and momentum is pretty high in the locker room showing that we can compete with about anybody. But if we happen to lose a couple of games additionally and things start going south, how are we going to respond? Is it not going to be, like you said, fun enough? For the players right. and the coaches, to be frank, because I think we've seen Hoiberg how he wants to play. Now, give him a lot of respect for what how we're playing this year, but is can we sustain it? And will it be enough to retain Hoiberg and what we're trying and what he's trying to build and continue to build in Nebraska? Because going into this year, it was I we all thought everybody thought he was just on. Living, riding it out, mm-hmm. take a paycheck, move on. But it does seem like what we've done, we've battled some adversity and really have come together as a team. And I don't, I don't know what that magic number is or what we have to see. But to keep Hoiberg, yes, I think we're pretty close to keeping Hoiberg already. I, I, I think so. I, but I'm in my worst case scenario here of. Just absolutely falling off. Things and... just falling off a cliff, which I don't think is – it's not impossible. It could happen just knowing what we've seen with this team. And after football season, my hopes are nowhere. So we will see what happens, I guess, as we keep playing the Big Ten and we have, you know, a grinder after a grinder after a grinder of a game. Will the guys stay together and with it or will things fall off a cliff? We don't know. I would hope it'd be awesome to see us finish, you know, seventh, eighth in the Big Ten. That'd be that'd be phenomenal. I, I don't think there's any question as far as keeping Hoiberg at that point. Correct. Oh yeah, I I don't think the bar is near as high for Hoiberg need to be retained as Frost was. So basketball is just a different beast at Nebraska. Obviously, we want to have a successful program, but the standards so much different. I think you have, like we talked about last Sunday, we have momentum. And I think there's now people that are interested in it again. Whereas prior to that Creighton game, I think people were questioning the future just as far as being interested in it, including myself. Like winning Florida State and Boston College, I was like, huh, we beat some Power 5 teams. That's cool. But let's see what we can do. And we did. We 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 lived up to a somewhat of a standard there against these teams. Yeah. We were competitive. All right, the other or the last big topic here, we have keep pushing it off, so we got to talk about it now. The, well, now it's finally starting to fill out. I mean, it took forever for us to correct. Fill out. 
But we're still not even done filling it out. I know. <laughs> so the coordinators and assistant coaches for Matt Rule's team, and we are close to finishing it up. A couple days ago, we got two more finalized, but I believe we're still missing the wide receivers coach. And I guess let's start the back end on that position. Do you think we're holding out for Mickey or what do you think the situation is there? I don't think we're holding out for Mickey. I think the plan was to keep Mickey. So he didn't really look for any and now he has to do the due diligence. That makes sense. I, one theory is that this was all very falsely accused of what happened and that Mickey's fine, but that's one theory, but that's obviously you can't start your program like that. You just can't. But, Even if it is, no. What I'm saying is that everything is like incorrect. Like they staged the whole thing, and Mickey did nothing wrong. I'm that's what I'm saying. If if that's true, that would be insane. It would be. That would be wild. I've heard that rumor in theory. So we have we haven't heard. That's been quiet. I mean, very quiet recently. And maybe we won't hear anything more. I don't know, but it's been very quiet. But I I do think the more likely scenario is that yeah, we had to kind of start from ground zero with that position and Mm -hmm. we're getting through the process anyway. So anyways, going back to December 1st is when we heard kind of the initial assemblance of this coaching staff. And at that time we hired six of the 10 coaches. We'll start with, I'll just go in order with this article, EJ Barthel who will be our running backs coach. And I guess before we start, these are some themes I've noticed and add to them if you want. We are hiring young mm-hmm. coaches that have something to prove. I love that. I, that's something really big for me is hiring coaches that need to prove themselves and have extra motivation. That's great. Number two, a lot of these guys have recruiting, have been in charge yep. Recruiting at some point throughout their career somewhere specifically they're not just position coaches they've been heavily involved in recruiting in yep. the past. so that to me kind of shows what rules all about there as well which i think is good now the third and this is kind of the counterpoint to that and just naturally is because they're young there is a little bit of lack of proof there are of are these guys good coordinators and the answer to that, we're not going to know. And the people that are out there saying that's a problem. Mm, not necessarily. I, I would say, I, tell me why it's a problem. Because at, right now, if that goes south, we're again, we're, we're at rock bottom. Like to me, that's, I always said with Frost, I would not mind hiring some coach that is a young upcomer dude that hasn't, that hasn't proved himself yet and has the motivation to do it. That, to me, is more important than anything. Especially at the positional coaches. And yes, like, positional, yes, even more. So I'm intrigued by them. I see people's hesitations, but I do think it. what he's assembled so far has been a very solid group from the articles and stuff that I've read, which obviously are all spun positively. Right. And the last thing I would add is most of them have some sort of, at their last stop, there's some sort of proof you're talking about how they might not have proof as a head coach, but most of them had some stop where they were there for either two or three years where it's like, here's where they were the first year. And by the last, next year, they were, you know, 50 positions higher in national rank, you know, like as far as like, 
you know, we'll talk about Tony White and where he started at Syracuse and where they ended at Syracuse and yes. where they started as a running backs and where they ended as running backs. Which is also something we saw with Coach Rule. Correct. As his head as his head coaching tenure at Temple and Baylor. So anyways, those are kind of the big themes that we're seeing out of these guys so far. So a lot of them do have a tighter rule previously. Correct. Not unsurprising. And recently too. Yes. At, at Carolina specifically. Um which may have had previous ties at Temple or Baylor too. But we'll start with Barthel. Um, EJ Barthel, he was on UConn staff this last year. He helped UConn. I mean, for those of you that don't know anything about UConn football, <laughs> they were atrocious. Like two years ago, they were the bottom of the bottom of the bottom team in college football. Like it wasn't even them and I think maybe New Mexico State were the two that were just absolutely horrible. Anyways, they were they were solid this year. I mean, they making a bowl. They did. They made a bowl game. They averaged around two hundred yards rushing um, this year. So four point eight yards a carry this year. Last year three point two. There you go. So I this was actually one of my favorite hires out of mm-hmm. all of them because of the philosophy that I think Rural believes in running the ball in what whatever that looks like. And you have a running backs coach that has proven to be strong at what he does in taking on a UConn team that was really bad. So I loved this hire. I think it's a very important one. Um, and I think we got it right. No, I, I agree. And, you know, you see that improvement on yards per carry. You know their offensive line, you know, like their offensive line probably got a little bit better, but there's only so much you can do to an offensive line over one year. And so it's kind of reassuring that, Hey, this guy, he was a recruiting coordinator at like, I don't remember Williams and Mary or something like that. He was a scout intern for the Panthers. Like he's good at recruiting guys.